Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Emotionally Online. Look at that. Timing is absolutely impeccable this morning. Um, I'm recording this episode in the morning, which is unusual for me. Usually I'm filming towards the evening time, towards the nighttime. So I'm really getting morning after the sleepover energy right now it's like I feel like I should be eating a bacon egg and cheese that was my family's um like weekend breakfast of choice my dad on Sunday mornings usually would make everyone bacon egg and cheeses so if my friends slept over they'd get some too but I remember when I was younger it was like since we were a bacon, egg, and cheese house, sleeping over my friends' houses who were like cinnamon roll houses, their parents would just like pop in those like Pillsbury cinnamon buns into the oven with the icing. Whatever your house wasn't, it was the most fun to go sleep over at somebody else's house, if that makes sense. Um, so anyways, that's the energy that I'm getting right now filming this in the morning. Apologies if this episode is a little bit shorter than some of the episodes that I have been doing. Uh, I am learning. Your girl is learning what the best way to do this is as I go. Um, It's actually quite hard to talk to yourself for an hour straight. I can do the long episodes when I have my friends here very easily. I can talk to my friends for literally hours and hours and hours. But it might not seem difficult if you've never done it, but sitting and talking to yourself for an hour straight with no one to bounce off of is actually quite difficult. Um, so I'm going to try my best, but now that I don't have Love Island to talk about, which I have been absolutely suffering through not having something to look forward to at 4 PM Eastern time every fucking day, suffering without it. And without having that to talk about at the end of the podcast, I'm assuming this week's show might be a little bit shorter, but we'll see. I've been trying to find another reality TV show that really like ignites me the way that Love Island does so that I'm like, there has to be something to entertain me during this time. I really like The Circle, but I've seen all the seasons of The Circle. Um, But that's really the only reality show besides Love Island that I like love and would have a lot to say about. I started watching F-Boy Island because some people told me to start watching it and I literally find it so unbearable. I don't know how anybody enjoyed it. I watched the first five episodes of season one. I've heard season two is better, but I watched the first five episodes of season one and it's, yeah, it's impossible to get through. It's like so scripted to the point where it's, it doesn't even feel entertaining to watch to me. Like the whole thing feels like uncomfortably scripted because obviously there are are parts of reality TV that are massaged and manipulated by the producers, but that's like part of the appeal of reality TV. But you got to have good producers that know how to produce realistic drama. The stuff that they are manufacturing, they still have to make it somewhat believable that that is the way that it went down. You know, or like it depends how they're manufacturing the drama or like how they're manipulating shit. Because like on Love Island, you can tell when the producers told someone to say something, but they're never or very rarely does it seem like they're telling them word for word what to say. It seems like most of the time the producers will only be stepping and be like, okay, you have to apologize to this person or like have a conversation about this, bring this up. But they're not going to literally feed the people lines of what to say which it felt like fy island they're like feeding these people lines word for fucking word some of them act like they've got a fucking teleprompter in front of them like it is so hard to watch it's like not entertaining at all because it feels like somebody's cosplaying a reality tv show it's like when you're 14 15 years old and you're making youtube videos in your friend's basement to like mimic Jersey Shore and you're just like, let's just do the confessionals for fun. 
<laughs> but it's like all you it's like 18 you know seventh graders sitting behind the camera scripting the whole thing out and it's hilarious to you guys but to everyone else it's like okay <laughs> That's what it feels like to watch F-Boy Island. I don't think I can get through it. It's like five episodes in and I still don't know half of these guys' names. Because that's the other thing. Is they clearly film a lot, but they cut fucking all of it out. So you're trying to watch the show and you're five episodes in and you're like, who the fuck is that guy? Have I seen that man before? When did he get here? What's his fucking name? Like they just, they cut so much out that it's also hard to connect to literally any of the characters on that fucking show so anyways I think it's ass but I've heard the season two is better so I might try to give that a shot but I think that my my heart is with Love Island at this point I tried watching Love Island US can't do it can't fucking do that either because the problem with that one is different and the problem I have with that does sort of connect to a lot of the reasons why I'm usually not into reality TV dating shows as a whole. Um, I don't like The Bachelor, Bachelorette. I hated Love is Blind. Too Hot to Handle was fucking annoying. Uh, I usually don't like dating shows, but I love Love Island. But I didn't want to watch Love Island US because, one, I've heard that the US version is just not as good. Um, and I'm a big fan of the Brits. So I was like, period, I'll, I'll believe them. The Brits are telling me that the U S sucks. And I'm, I mean, like, I believe it. It sounds right. So I was like, let me just stick to Love Island UK. Cause it's so much fucking funnier. Um, but the other thing is I watched the first episode of Love Island US just to give it a shot. I had nothing better to do. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, oh my God, this isn't even fun to watch because I, I'm like too close to this reality like I know those people I don't actually but like I know their types you know like the type of people that they're casting on U.S. dating shows I'm like god I know them they could be my next door fucking neighbors for all I care but there's something about watching Love Island UK that I'm like we function off a different enough set of norms or expectations or just like life in general um, there's like different types of people that I feel like I can watch Love Island UK and be like, oh, those are totally different people. Like I've never met these people before. They're also walking red flags in the same way that people on Love Island US would be, but in a different way, in a way that's a little bit different to me. It's unknown. It's just more entertaining. So I feel like I like Love Island UK better because it's like I can enjoy the fact that they're walking red flags and be like, this is fucking hilarious. But watching Love Island US is almost like, I can't even enjoy that they're walking red flags because I'm like, I think I went to high school with you. <laughs> I think I know your type. Like it almost just makes me stressed out to watch US dating shows because I'm like, that's the same dating pool that I'm in, right? Those are fellow single people. Like this is what we're working with. That terrifies me versus the dating pool in the UK. I'm like, I'll never know you. That's a completely different dating pool, babes. I don't have to worry about that, you know? So it's like I can just watch it and enjoy my life. But God, I need another reality TV show to watch. So it would have been so good if Love Island US like did it for me because I do think the Love Island format is just fucking perfect. But I feel like maybe what I've learned here is that I enjoy reality TV in general I love Catfish. I love The Circle. I love Jersey Shore forever and always. But when it comes to reality TV dating shows, it needs to not be a U.S. dating show. I can watch dating shows from other countries. I cannot watch it if it's people within the U.S. dating pool. I can't fucking do it. It's too much for me. So anyways, today I wanted to tell you guys a little story. Have a little story time moment. Um, and tell you guys the story of my first kiss. I've definitely told this story before a very long time ago on a YouTube video that's for sure deleted at this point. Um, but if you've been around for a long time, you might remember this story. It's, it's kind of hard to forget. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my first kiss story is not a cute story. It's not a fun story. It's, a uh, an uncomfortable story. 
it's one that I have reflected on a lot as an adult and um, something that I can laugh at now and have a little bit of fun with. But yeah, it's not a good story. We're not going to be reminiscing on something super romantic and cute. Um, we're going to be, you know, it gets a little bit serious, I'll be honest. So if that's not your vibe today, then that's totally cool. I will catch you next week. But um, if you're down to hear my awful fucking first kiss story, strap in, baby. Because here we fucking go. Um, and then I figured after we cover my first kiss story, we can debrief and bring ourselves back down from what we're about to ignite here and talk about some meaningless uh, internet drama that has been on my mind lately. So let's just get fucking into it, shall we? So I had my first kiss when I was 18 years old. I had just graduated high school. It was the summer between high school and college that I had my first kiss. At this point in time in my life, I was very insecure about the fact that I did not have my first kiss yet. I was trying to like think about how to describe my high school 18-year-old self. Um, I was not very cool growing up. I was bullied throughout middle and high school. Uh, I've always made YouTube videos, was always a little bit weird, a little bit quirky. Um, I was definitely super cringe at this age. I was sort of on the outskirts of my fangirl phase. Uh, I was big on Tumblr, that whole like grunge style, Orion Carlotto, Marina, Sky Ferreira, Charlie XCX, um, that whole style era I was very much submerged in all of that um I love her I love my 18 year old self I think she's funny as fuck she's definitely very cringe but I think when you're 18 years old you should be cringe and honestly I think we're always perpetually cringe I'm sure that maybe my 40 year old self will look at me now and be like cringe but like good right? <laughs> it just means that you're living unapologetically. You're not that concerned with what people think of you if you're able to be cringe. It would kind of be boring if you weren't, especially when you're 18. Like 18 year olds should be cringe. That to me like feels like, okay, you did it right. <laughs> so um, if you were on Tumblr between the years of 2012 and 2015, you know the type. That was me to a fucking T. <laughs> um, and at that time, I would post on my Tumblr, on my personal Tumblr, all the time about how bothered I was that I didn't have my first kiss. I would, you know, vent on my blog about how I was insecure, that I was going to go to college and I hadn't had my first kiss yet, that I was totally inexperienced. Um, I was always pretty bothered by this, even throughout high school. Um, I, you know, had crushes growing up. I wanted to pursue people and I was rejected by everyone that I liked when I was a kid. So, um, so I was definitely feeling a little bit insecure about going to college, having no experience on top of the fact that I was just insecure, but the fact that, uh, nobody had liked me growing up. <laughs> sweet girl, sweet Maddie. I think about my teenage self especially those years all the time because I'm I'm still very connected to that version of me and I feel like I still carry a lot of that pain that she felt then now um, and it pops up at random times in my life I'm sure that makes sense based on other stories that I've told both on this podcast and on my um, main channel on YouTube but yeah a lot of times I will have moments where I feel like extra sad about similar stuff and it's usually very connected to my teenage self like still feeling so sad about that and feeling like oh my god why couldn't it have been me um so that's imagine that but in real time that's who I am nervous about going to college not having any experience wanting to fit in in New York make a whole new fucking friend group wanting to date and put myself out there and like hoping to god that I am proven wrong and that I am likable and cool and it's just my small hometown that is making me feel so 
unlovable. Um, I would talk about this on my Tumblr all the time. I would just be venting, uh, talking about my fears, my insecurities. I've always been a very open book when it comes to those sorts of things. So yeah, I would post about it all the time. Um, I've always had a following that was around the same age as me. So for me at the time, it was like I was posting it to a bunch of other 16, 17, 18 year old girls that resonated with the content that I was making on YouTube for whatever reason. I was probably, I don't know, I probably had like what, 15,000 subscribers at the time. Um, so I had like a, a little audience where I, I knew a bunch of people personally. I think on Tumblr, I probably had like 5,000, 6,000 followers. So it wasn't nothing, but it was small, you know, it was personal. It wasn't like I was posting to like a ton of people about this. I was still like just a random high schooler talking about how she really wanted to have her first kiss. And there was this guy who had been a subscriber of mine for a few years and he would message me every now and again to compliment me, um, just like engage with my content online. And he always stood out to me because to be honest at the time, not a lot of men engaged with my content on the internet. Even now, the majority of my audience is young women. Obviously, I have a larger following now, so there's more diversity to the people that watch me. But back then, it was really just like only teenage girls that watched my videos. So if a guy was watching my videos and regularly commenting on them, I would remember him. I would, you know, he would stand out to me. And so he would message me quite frequently and comment on a bunch of my videos. And he was always super kind. Uh, super, super nice. He was a bit older than me. Um, I believe he was 21 or 22 when I was 18. So it wasn't like a huge age gap. However, it is a slightly weird that a 22 year old boy would, uh, have a lot in common with a 17, 18 year old girl who's kind of dorky, kind of weird, and is crying about not having her first kiss on Tumblr. Um, it does seem a little strange to me that that's the type of content that resonates with you as a 22-year-old guy, but I digress. Um, so summer after I graduated high school, he reached out to me and told me that he was doing a road trip from California to Boston. He lived in California. I grew up in a small town, like 45 minutes outside of Boston. I talk about where that is now. I grew up in Hopkinton, Massachusetts. But back then, I never talked about where I lived. Uh, I would say that I lived in Massachusetts near Boston. But I would never say where I lived. This is going to be important later. Um, but he said he was doing a road trip across the country. And he'd really love to meet up with me. And... At this point, like I said, my audience was pretty small. Um, I used to go and grab coffee with people a ton back then. I still do now, but it is harder to grab coffee with people all the time, um, having a larger audience. But at the time, I loved meeting up with people, as many people as I could. Anytime somebody was in like the Boston area, if they wanted to grab coffee, I was always down to meet up with them. Uh, it was it's always been super fun to me to get to meet the people that watch my videos, especially when they are familiar faces that I recognize and they've been commenting for years and years. Um, so when he asked me if I wanted to hang out when he was in Boston, I was like, yeah, of course. Like, let's get coffee. Let's get lunch. Let's do it. Like, I, I didn't really think anything of it. I just thought of it like an opportunity to meet and hang out with somebody that has been supporting me for several years at this point. How fun. How cool. Um, I was very naive at that age. And I think that's a part of the story that is like difficult for me looking back on. And um, I think a lot of people feel this way about decisions their teenage self made or things that their teenage self overlooked. Um, but yeah, there were definitely a lot of red flags in this situation. Um, and I didn't know how to pay attention for them, but also how to stand up for myself once I caught one. I think I was overly forgiving a lot of the time of people being weird. And part of that came from me 
wanting other people to feel accepted and good about themselves and like feeling afraid to make people feel bad because I was like, well, I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings by saying no or by saying this made me uncomfortable. Like they probably meant well. Like I always just like assumed the best of people and used to feel pretty guilty uh, saying no or setting a boundary of mine that would have made someone else uncomfortable in any way. Um, I think I, yeah, I definitely took on a lot of other people's emotions as my own at that time. I cared more about how other people felt than how I felt. Um, yeah, we'll get there. We'll get more into that, but I just want to preface before I get into the meat of the story with that, because this, to tell this story, it does make me uncomfortable because it feels like these are not decisions that I would make now. And I obviously know I was a kid at the time and I didn't know better. Um, And I for sure learned a lot through this situation. And it's not my fault I was put in this situation. Uh, But yeah, it's just uncomfortable to talk about because I'm like, God damn. I know that there were many times throughout this story where I, that could have been the end. That should have been the end. That should have been where I stood up for myself. Or when I said, that's not cool with me, I don't want to do that. Um, and I didn't. And that sucks looking back on, but it's in the past. I'm safe. I'm happy. I'm healthy. Like we're good now. Um, the past cannot hurt me. And I do not blame my 18 year old self for not always having all the answers and not knowing all the right ways to navigate situations that were complicated. So, um, he's on this road trip. He arrives in Boston and we start talking that week, like trying to figure out what we're going to do. I was like, okay, cool. I can drive into Boston and we can meet at this restaurant for lunch. We can, you know, meet at Boston common. I was like throwing out, some ideas. Again, I did not grow up in Boston or even that close to Boston. It was 45 minutes outside. Um, I did spend a decent chunk of time in Boston as a high schooler because I would go to concerts a lot, but I was not particularly well-versed in like things to do in Boston or like where would be best or even know that much about the city. Cause I didn't, I didn't fucking live there. Um, So I was like, yeah, I can drive over. I have a car. I can drive to Boston and meet you somewhere for coffee or lunch. Mango was like, let me get in the middle here. Honey buns, I'm filming. She has been like very, very clingy today. I'll like put her down and she immediately comes over and makes me pick her back up again. Earlier today I was, I had to take a work phone call. And I was holding her beforehand. And while I'm on the call, she's jumping on my shoulders, trying to get me to hold her again. And I'm like, what's up, honey? We can't have any space today. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was like, I have a car. I can drive. I can meet you somewhere in Boston, yada, yada. And he was like, oh, no worries. I'm actually going out towards the Worcester area with my cousin. Um, if you want to meet at like, you know, somewhere along Route 9. Now, I live, my town is pretty close to Route 9. It's closer to Worcester than it is to Boston, or maybe it's equidistant. I don't really fucking know. But he's going more in my direction. You know, if you're going to Boston, if I I say I'm 40 minutes outside of Boston, it could be in any direction. He's going straight down towards my direction. But I was like, maybe that's a coincidence, right? Like, Worcester's another popular area of Massachusetts, Maybe, uh, I don't know. I didn't really think anything of it at the time. But he suggested that we meet at a Chipotle that happened to be in the town next door to me in Westboro. So again, at the time, I'm not thinking anything of this. I was like, all right, cool. And went to Chipotle to meet him. Get to Chipotle, meet him, say hi. We're going up there to order. And he tries to pay for my food. And I was like, that's weird. Why is he trying to pay for my food? It only then hit me that maybe he thought this was a date. And I felt panic stricken because at this point I was like, 
oh my god wait what does he think this is a date like i thought this was like a cute little like subscriber lunch meetup thank you for supporting me thank you for watching my videos i'd love to meet you and like you know put a face to the username let's hang out i thought this was like a friendly thing and it's only now hitting me that he might think this is a date and i had no idea what to do because again at this point in my life i had never really been in a situation where anybody had liked me or was pursuing me in any way i had no idea how to set my own boundaries and at this point in my life, I was very insecure and almost felt like I had to say yes when things like this were offered to me because it was like, well, you say that this is what you want. You said you wanted attention from guys. You said you wanted someone to take you on a date. Well, here it is. And I had a hard time uh, like processing not wanting this thing even though it was what I said I wanted um which now it's very easy for me to process that but at the time being so insecure and feeling like uh more down on myself I did feel like I had to like accept anything that came at me um and I was being rude if I didn't so I tried to sort of play along with it and was just like you know what uh let's just get through this lunch and then we can take it from there um so we have lunch it all is going completely fine and afterwards he's like so what are we doing now and I was like I don't know <laughs> what are we doing now and I I was panicking I had no fucking idea what to say or what to do um at that point I just wanted to go home and I made a bad decision here, a bad call here, because I think I just wanted to like be in a familiar space. I felt very uncomfortable uh, hanging out in public where I could run into like my classmates with this guy. I felt like very embarrassed and just kind of like, oh my God, I want to go home. And I was too afraid to reject him and say, no, we're not doing anything else. Uh, I'm busy. So instead I was like, well, I you know, I have to go home and walk my dog if you want to come walk him with me. So, uh, I drove him back to my house and we were getting ready to take my dog out on a walk. We took him out on a little walk through my neighborhood and then we came back and it was like, what now? what do we fucking do now? I literally had no idea what to do. I was so nervous. I was so scared. And so we were just sitting on my living room couch and I was sitting super far away from him. It was like a three seater, three cushion couch. And I was on one end and he was on the super far other end of the couch. And he kept saying to me like, you look nervous. Like, come, come sit closer to me. Come over here. And I was like panicking, panicking, panicking. <laughs> I had no idea what to do. Um, and so I just sort of did as I was asked. He asked me to come sit closer to him. So I did. And he put his arm around me and goes into this spiel and this is going to sound fucking fake, <laughs> but it's real. It's as real as it gets, babe. Um, he goes into this spiel about how I know that I told you that I was going on this road trip with my cousin to like see the country and explore with him before he goes off to college or something like that. And, but, uh, I actually lied. I went on this road trip so that I could be your first kiss. I read all your posts on Tumblr and I think you are so beautiful and I just think that someone needs to treat you right. You deserve to have someone that treats you right and I want to be that person. How do you, as an 18-year-old that has never been shown attention in your life, process that? 
I don't know how the fuck I was supposed to respond. <laughs> um, so he said that to me and then he kissed me and that was my first kiss. So at this point in time, I am like, yeah, I have no idea what to say. Um, I felt uncomfortable, really uncomfortable, but I had no idea how to reckon with that feeling. I felt guilty for not being interested in him. I felt guilty for being uncomfortable. I felt like you said you wanted a first kiss. You said you wanted someone who, you know, thought you were beautiful and was really into you and would want to be with you and whatever. You've been writing all this stuff on Tumblr. He's right. And now it's here and you're feeling off about it. You have like an uneasy feeling in your stomach. And I couldn't make sense of that. I thought that maybe I, I don't know, maybe I I was just nervous. There'd been so much leading up to this, right? I've been dreaming about having my first kiss since I was 10 years old. Like maybe I just feel this way because it's so new and I, it's hard for me to be feel like happy or excited about it because like, I'm just shocked. Um, but I felt really uncomfortable and now looking back, I'm fucking horrified. Honestly, it it took me about six months after this happened to have it all settle in. I think by about halfway through my freshman year of college, it, uh, it made sense to me why I felt the way I felt and how like deeply fucked up this was, um, a 22 year old that drives across the country, uh, to be like some type of savior for some random bitch on Tumblr. And like this whole situation was additionally uncomfortable because I knew nothing about him. Meanwhile, I've been posting YouTube videos for five years at this point. So he's been watching my videos for let's call it three years at that point. He knows so much about me. He's been watching my videos. He's been reading my Tumblr posts. He feels like he can intimately understand what I need and what I want. And if he is able to give me that all the while, I don't know a single fucking thing about him. That is a stranger to me. And he is treating me like this is something serious or something personal and intimate. And it, it, it was weird because I'm like, I don't know you. I get that you feel like you know me because I post a lot about myself online, but at the end of the day, I don't know you. Why would I want to have my first kiss with someone that I don't know? And why, as a 22-year-old, do you think to yourself that it's appropriate to go drive across the fucking country to declare your love for some random girl on the fucking internet. I was a kid and I was a vulnerable kid and you knew that. You read my Tumblr posts. You watched my videos. Like how it was, it's like deeply fucked up. <laughs> it's, it makes me very uncomfortable to talk about. Like I said, like I, I don't know how to explain away why a 22 year old would put a young 18 year old in this situation. Um, it gets worse though. So (laughs) after, uh, the first kiss happened, um, I drove him back to the Chipotle because he said that his cousin was coming back with the car and they were going to pick him up. So I go to drop him off. And when I leave, he's like, I'll see you tomorrow. And I was like, okay, (laughs) again, have no idea how to say no. So I'm, I drop him off. I drive away and I still have this like icky, uncomfortable feeling in my chest. But on the other hand, I just had my first kiss. That's the thing I've been wanting and talking about for all these years, for all this time. So I'm texting my friends about it and they're all so excited for me so it, it sort of calms me down a little bit hearing my friends I'll be like you had your first kiss that's so great like obviously at the time none of us are thinking critically about how fucking weird this is we're just like psyched that I had my first kiss and that this guy is interested in me like we're not reflecting on 
why I feel the way that I feel. It's like I couldn't even begin to comprehend the way that I was feeling. So obviously my friends couldn't either. I remember going to the movies with my friends that night. We saw that fucking Amy Schumer movie. I think it was called Trainwreck. We saw that in theaters. And I remember sitting there watching the movie feeling like so distracted and not able to even really watch the movie because I just felt like a pit in my stomach. And so the next day comes and I was like, let me just get ready and then we can figure something out. At this point, I think he's staying at a hotel in Boston. And yesterday he just, his cousin was going to Worcester, was going to drop him off along the way. We ended up being close to my hometown, whatever. In my head, he is staying at a hotel in Boston. So I get ready and I text him again to see where I should meet him, where I should go. I'm assuming that I'm going to have to go pick him up or something like that. And he gives me a street corner. He's like, I'm on the corner of blank and blank. And I was like, that's weird. Those streets are in walking distance of my house. Huh? I was like, that's really bizarre. It's also a street that doesn't have houses on it. It's like a a street in the middle of the woods. And it's like right as you go over the highway. Um... So there's not houses over there. You know what I mean? It's just a straightaway where there's woods. Then there's the part of the road that goes over the highway. And then there's a bunch of cul-de-sacs. But that corner that he was on is not near any houses directly. It was a really weird place to be. I had no idea why he was there. But again, I'm not asking any questions at this point in time. Another red flag. Another point in time where I should have said no, no, no. Um... Yeah, which is why this story is, like, so hard to tell and even, like, recount. Um, So I go and pick him up at that street corner, and we go to a park nearby, and we uh, just sit in the park and talk. I was like, this is fine. I can do this. I can hang out in a public park. I can get through today. Tomorrow this won't matter. So we sit in the park, and we talk, and then... We're like, okay, let's go get some food. So we go to our local Uno's, (laughs) the most delicious food location of all time. Um, We go to the Uno's and he sits on the same side of the booth as me, which fuels why I hate that to this day. Um, Sits on the same side of the booth as me, cringing me the fuck out. (laughs) And we order our food. Again, we're sitting there talking and he again starts to go on another one of his spiels about how I am so special and cool and he doesn't know anyone like me and he asks me to be his girlfriend. Now, thank God my ability to say no kicked in because I was like, no shot, no shot. I was like, yeah, no, (laughs) I was like, I'm flattered, um, but I'm going to college. I brushed it off. I blamed it on the fact that I was going to college. I was like, I'm about to go to college. Like, I'm not really looking for a relationship right now because my life's very much in limbo. I didn't want to reject him for any reason that could have been because of him. So the fact that I was about to go to college gave me a nice out that gave me a way to say no that at the time I felt comfortable with what I wish I could say is um why the fuck would you ask me a question like that I don't know you (laughs) I don't fucking know you I met you yesterday for the first time you feel like you know me because you watch me on the internet You've been creepy as fuck. You coincidentally ended up at the Chipotle closest to my house. And then you coincidentally ended up a five minute walk away from my house on some random fucking street corner where there's no houses nearby. You said you were going to Boston. I don't fucking know you. It's not public what town that I live in. What's happening? What dimension do I live in where any of this is appropriate? You are a fucking weirdo. You are a 
big fucking weirdo. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, it was just horrible. And um, so I said no. And he started crying in the middle of the Unos. I swear to fuck. I know this story sounds fake. I know that every part of this story is like, there's no way. There's no way. There shouldn't have been a way. Okay. This, in no reality should this have happened. He starts crying in the Unos. And I'm sitting there comforting him through the fact that I just rejected him. Girl that does not know who he is. I have no idea who you are, sir. Um, has just rejected him. Absolutely insane person behavior. And uh, so we finished our food and we hung out for the rest of the evening. I think we've been back to the park. I don't really remember. But um, at the end of the day, I drove him back to his hotel. And this is when I learned that he was not staying in Boston. He was staying at a hotel in the town right next to me. Um, it is the closest hotel to my parents' house. And again, where I live is not public at that time in my life. I would have just said that I lived in Massachusetts on the internet. No one knew that I lived in Hopkinton. So he had to have done some extensive research to figure out where I grew up. I'm assuming he probably found some of my relatives on Facebook and then, you know, did the math on where I lived based on that, if I had to make a guess. So that added to how awful all of this was and how absurdly creepy it was. Um, I dropped him off at the hotel, went home, and only then could I start to unpack how icky I felt. After he left Massachusetts that next day, he drove to New York and he was sending me photos while he was here because he knew that I was going to college here and um, I wasn't responding to him. And then the next day he sent me this another long message declaring his love for me and I was like, hi, I'm not interested. <laughs> and I never spoke to him again. So it was like immediately after it was all done, I knew that I was like, I am scared of you. <laughs> I feel deeply uncomfortable with what happened, how I was treated, the situation I was in, how I acted. Um, there was still a part of me that felt guilty and it felt like, why don't you want this? You should want this. But there was also a part of me that was like, how did he know where you lived? How did he arrive at that random street corner? He had to have had someone drive him to that street corner earlier that morning. And then just stood there and waited for me to be done doing my makeup and text him being like, okay. To go through all of this effort to shoot your shot with an 18-year-old girl who's deeply insecure on the internet. You are like 17 different shades of fucked up. What the hell? Like, I... I don't even like thinking about this. He like so aggressively ruined my first kiss for me. Um, he made it something very uncomfortable for me to look back on. Uh, he made it a, a story that when I tell people, they're like, there's no way. There's no shot. I would have given just about anything to have a boring, stupid first kiss story. To have a kiss where it's just like someone that I had a crush on in the high school parking lot at prom when we're dancing. Like I would have, I would have literally given anything to this day. I would have given anything to have a boring fucking totally normal mediocre first kiss. But instead I got this fucking horror story of a first kiss. Um, it's awful. It's uncomfortable. And the fact that he was 22 years old and had to put on this old like, oh, let me go save this random bitch on the internet who's sad. Shut the fuck up. Like, that's crazy. That's fucking so crazy. <laughs> it's not giving what you think it's giving. To be like, let me, a stranger, swoop in and save this young girl who's crying about not having her first kiss on the internet. Like, as an 18-year-old girl, like, sharing my feelings to other 18-year-old girls on the internet, the absolute last thing that I'm looking for is some fucking random 22-year-old man to save me. I wasn't a fucking victim. I was 18 years old complaining about normal 18-year-old things. <laughs> 
You know what I mean? I was 18 years old with a Tumblr blog being like, I wish I had my first kiss. That is a fucking normal thing to be doing at 18 years old. I didn't need to be saved. I didn't need to be bothered. You are a creepy adult man who took advantage of the fact that I was young, insecure, and vulnerable. That is fucked up. Looking back on all of it now, I I do really wish that I had more experience saying no at that point in my life. I wish that I had been taught how to say no. I wish that it was more uh, a part of how I was socialized at that point in my life to be able to understand my own boundaries. I feel like that was just not a conversation at the time. I think now in media talking about boundaries is like everyone's talking about it. When I was in high school, that was not that was not a thing. The fucking do you remember what we used to talk about on the internet? The discourse on the internet in the year 2015. Like yeah, I wish that I had the vocabulary to stand up for myself at that time. I wish that I could have better understood my emotions so that I could have stood up for myself. Um, I think I was just totally ill prepared to deal with that kind of situation at 18 years old, uh, to be dealing with for, I mean, for so many different reasons (laughs) to, to both deal with the fact that it's like having to reject a guy who wants you that you're not interested in while also, trying to balance the fact that this is a subscriber of mine. This is a supporter that I don't want to alienate or I don't want to make him feel badly because I'm so grateful for his support. And so feeling like I needed to be like grateful and kind, uh, and just not stand up for myself whatsoever. Yeah, I definitely, it's hard that's it's a really fucking difficult situation to put an 18 year old in and I just wish that I was better equipped to handle that at the time I don't think it's possible for an 18 year old to handle that great but um yeah I just I I wish that it I wish that I had a little bit more help there I guess Obviously, I'm not glad that that happened in any way, shape, or form. The same way I'm not glad that any of my other poor dating experiences happened. Um, But I'm glad that I grew from them in the way that I did. I think for a while it was hard for me to. Um, If you followed my YouTube channel back in like my early college days... I definitely used to laugh about this story and a lot of my other bad dating stories, like they were funny to me. Um, At the time, story times were big on YouTube and I definitely would capitalize off of my bad dating experiences um, because laughing about them and being able to talk about them on the internet and turn them into content made me feel uh, better about them in a way. It made me feel like it wasn't that bad because here I am laughing and other people are laughing and we, we can have a, there's a good story that comes out of this, you know, like, uh, it's all for the comedy. It's for the plot. As people say, I hate that. Sorry. I know that some people like that. I hate it. (laughs) Um, and I, I think that I really leaned in to like laughing about the things that happened to me at that point in time. And, um, It was hard for me to even like begin to unpack and really digest what had happened to me and how wrong it was and how I was failed in those situations um, until I got older and I like felt comfortable not joking about it anymore. It was like it made me so uncomfortable that I had to joke about it. I couldn't talk seriously about those things yet. And yeah, I feel generally uncomfortable about my existence on the internet through those years because I was talking about really sad things, like telling really sad stories about ways that I was violated as a teenager. uh, And I had no way of talking about them in a way that was meaningful. So I would just sit there and laugh about them. And that's sad. I feel really bad for that version of myself. Um, I think going through that section of my life has just made uh, 
it's it's really it's I hate to say it it's shaped me a lot and who I am now that's you know one of the reasons that I'm so firm on my boundaries it's one of the reasons that I make content about sex and dating and that I care so much about young people being able to stand up for themselves and say no and ask for help um the reason why I'm so candid online the reason why I feel comfortable or feel like called to share a lot of personal stuff on the internet is because I'm like god if only I had the language to describe how I was feeling god if only I knew how wrong it was god if only I could have known what my boundaries were and could have known how wrong that was like maybe I could have stood up for myself and maybe I I could have skipped over those years of my life where I was sitting making jokes about the worst things that have happened to me because I couldn't even begin to process how bad they were. So, um, yeah, we've lived and we've learned from the situation. Um, everything ended up okay. There was still a happy ending. I still end up completely fine. I'm living a good life. I'm very comfortable with setting my boundaries and saying no now. And although I've had some challenging stories, some challenging times, um, ultimately I have ended up okay. I guess the reason why I wanted to tell this story today was just to say, even those of us that seem super strong-willed and like I set great boundaries and I stand up for myself and I'm I'm brave and I don't take shit like even those of us that might appear like that have been put in situations where it was impossible to know what to do and I just want you to know whoever is listening that if you have ever been put in a situation where you felt uncomfortable and you wanted to say no, but you didn't know how, and you feel guilty about that, I want you to know that it's not your fault and that you never should have been put in that situation in the first place. Um, You were failed in that situation. You did not fail yourself. You did everything you could in that moment to show up for yourself. You used the tools that you had And the fact that you were uncomfortable or afraid or just had no idea what to do, that's not your fault. You know, your brain and your body were just trying to take care of yourself. Um, And that's, that's all you can do. That's on the other person for putting you in that situation and not you for not having all the tools to deal with it in the way that you would now in hindsight. Additionally, if you are someone who hasn't had your first kiss yet and you feel insecure about that or it makes you feel any type of way, I just want to say that there is nothing weird about not having had your first kiss in high school, in college, however old you are. There is no one time, one set time that everyone has to have had their first kiss or their first time having sex by. You don't need to judge yourself and your own life path um, against the people around you, a lot of the time, uh, it's not worth it. (laughs) You know, I might have had my first kiss when I was 18, but it was awful. And I wish that it could have been different. So if you have not had your first kiss, don't worry about it. Because a lot of the time, what you are comparing yourself to uh, isn't, isn't, a cakewalk either. (laughs) It sucks. You don't want it. So, um, there's no set timeline that you have to be on. Um, give yourself grace, let your life unfold in front of you in whatever timeline it has to, and it will. Um, and don't, don't feel bad for not having had your, your first kiss yet. I understand how that feels, but I promise you when you get older and look back on it, you'll realize how absolutely inconsequential it was. So anyways, that was the story of my first kiss. Um, on a lighter note, <laughs> I feel like Hinge is listening to me. They probably are. I have no evidence of this other than to say that I have been talking about Love Island 
for months on end at this point. Okay. I live in Brooklyn, so not in the UK. And all I do is talk about Love Island. Tell me why Hinge has been serving me an abundance of British people that live in New York. Tell me why an abundance of them every day I'm swiping through and I get like at least two or three British people living in New York. And I'm like, what are the odds of that? Like how many are there? I feel like I've never run into a British person in New York. (laughs) And now all of a sudden they're all over my hinge. I've matched with quite a few of them and they all, they all will speak in voice notes almost exclusively. I'm like, I see right through you. You fucking, I see what you're doing. This is how you get bitches in the States, isn't it? All you have to do is be British and like send voice notes. You're trying to hook me with your voice. I was saying this to my friend Jordan yesterday. I was like, I feel like maybe if someone's British, the accent alone will like stun lock me enough that I might ignore the first two or three red flags just because they have a British accent and I'm like finding my footing. It's such a good accent. I wish I, I sincerely wish I was good at it. I try really hard. I try really hard. To be good. No, I can do better. Don't judge me for that. I am better. You've heard it. I just, I can't really do the accent that well. I try my best, but you know, it's, I'm just one girl. I'm just one girl at the end of the day. And you can't, you can't fault me for not having a great British accent because I've never actually been to the United Kingdom. So it's not my fault, really. I'm just basing this all off of what I've seen on the telly and on the internet. <laughs> so, yeah, I wish I was good at it because they're sexy. They're just fucking sexy, dude. What can I say? American accents? Boo. British accents? I love the Brits. <laughs> In internet news, um, something else that I've been loving keeping up with. Well, okay, a few things. First of all, random side note, I love Noah Beck. (laughs) I don't think I've ever talked about this on the internet before, but I love Noah Beck. I just think he's such a normie. And he like just, I don't know why. I just like him. (laughs) When he started doing his like fit chicks on Instagram, or not Instagram, TikTok, he would like a fit check to get ready for your dinner with me. And he would put on like the most normie outfit ever. I love that energy of just being like so happy to do normal things. Be like fit check. And he puts on like jeans and a white button up. <laughs> I love it. I'm like, yeah, Noah fucking rock those jeans and white button up. Normie King do normal things. We love it. I don't, I don't know why. I almost, I'll be honest. I made t-shirts that said I heart no back on it and I was going to buy them. I didn't, but I was going to buy me and my sister one so we could be matching in our I heart no back shirts. <laughs> I just like him. I'm also a Dixie D'Amelio stan. These are some of my, uh, internet people that I enjoy for quite literally no reason. Noah Beck, Dixie D'Amelio, that's that. Actually, Dixie's song, The Real Thing, that's genuinely a good song. I won't say the same for the other ones, but Real Thing, I actually do fuck with that song. I know all the words. I do listen to it frequently. Because I'm looking for the real thing, only the real thing. (laughs) Okay, Mango just scared the fuck out of me. I don't know what she did. I'm sure that wasn't caught on camera, but she like jumped and almost fell and ripped my couch apart. Oh, okay. That was a sign to move on to the next thing that I was going to talk about, which was Addison Ray's fucking father. What's going on? If you haven't been keeping up with it, basically Addison Ray's father is a menace to the world. Um, I find it fascinating. This whole situation. Basically he was caught texting like 19 year olds and I guess he's been known to hit on like young 19 20 year old LA girls at clubs and shit um he's been like a known weirdo for a a bit of time now 
but it only recently came like to light to light, I guess. And he was caught texting and like hitting on a 19, 20 year old. There were TikToks made about it. And then Addison Ray's mom changed her like Instagram TikTok bio to single mom. Cause it's Addison Ray, her parents, Addison's the oldest of three kids, I think. It's her and then she has two younger brothers and then her parents were married and in a ton of her content, um, especially her mom. But like her family has always been like involved in her content. They had like a little Snapchat show together. Um, she's posted with them a bunch like when she released merch and stuff, they were in the shoots. Why? Again, useless knowledge that I just like have in my brain. I don't even follow Addison Ray, and I know this. <laughs> um but yeah, her dad's a fucking weirdo. Gets caught cheating on her mom, hitting on all these like 19, 20-year-old girls. Her mom, who is also very strange on the internet, I'll say, um, in a different way, changes her bio to say single mom. And then Young Gravy and Addison Ray's mom have like some weird back and forth very uncomfortable on TikTok. And then Addison Ray's dad is like, when Young Gravy won't accept your boxing match. And he's like hulking out on TikTok. <laughs> he's a grown man acting like this. It is undoubtedly one of the most cringe things that I've ever observed on the internet. I don't even have like a full reaction to it other than to just say, guys, what's going on here? Have you guys seen that too? Because what what's happening? I'm frankly very disturbed and uncomfortable and I'm more than anything I want to be in Addison Ray's friend group I want the tea I want the gossip what the fuck is Addison Ray saying about her parents because Addison Ray unfollowed both of them on Instagram I'm pretty sure her dad was first but then she unfollowed her mom too and her mom was always the one in like a ton of her content and they were besties doing bestie things but honestly if I was Addison I would have unfollowed both of my parents too because they're both acting embarrassing as fuck I don't even get it. Like to be a parent and your daughter blows up for like being hot and doing little dances on the internet. And you think to yourself, you know what? I'm going to do that too. (laughs) You're like, you know what? My 17 year old daughter just got famous and she makes lots of money just from lip syncing and doing a little dance on TikTok. I'm going to actually do that as well. I'm, I'm, I'm 50 fucking years old. You know what? I would actually, I want to have Addison's job. So let me just copy everything that Addison does. That's what I feel like happened with her parents. <laughs> and that's very weird. That's very uncomfortable to me. Um, also her dad was like flexing to these 19, 20 year olds be like, you hang with me. Like I've got money. I've got private jet money. It's like, no, you don't. Addison does. That's so embarrassing to be like flexing your child's money. I want to understand what the family dynamics of these like families that are in the public influencer sphere. I want to understand their dynamics pre-internet fame. Like what was the Addison Ray family lore before Addison was big on TikTok? Like did it all fall apart? after the internet fame after the money is that what like sent her father down this weird fucking whatever the hell is happening is this all this whole thing this is what made her parents act like this or were they weird before because it just feels wild to me to be like living your life like I'm imagining if it was me growing up my mom was a hairdresser my dad owned his own business if I became TikTok famous at like 17 years old skyrocketed to fame and then my mom was like you know what fuck my job I'm actually gonna copy Maddie I'd be like okay I'll sure a little weird but okay like I'm all for older women on the internet being hot I have no issues with that the weird part is like copying your young daughter who got famous doing that seemingly out of nowhere like it's not like beforehand you also enjoyed making social media content or I don't know it just seems like they like saw the money that came in and were like yeah let's do that too (laughs) 
I'm just imagining if my parents did that. If like my parents were just like, yeah, fuck my job. Let's start making TikToks too. I would have been like, okay, I, stop that. I'm a kid. Can I be a kid? Can you keep your adult job and just be like, look at my kid doing cool kid things. She has lots of followers on TikTok. Like, why do you then have to be like, yeah, let me get a TikTok too. And then prey on 19 year olds. Huh? What's happening? <laughs> I think in general, like parents on the internet, I've got lots of questions. Like I'm talking like family channels and also when parents of influencers decide that they're also going to become an influencer. I just have some suspect there. Something's not all right. And obviously like I could go on and on about family channels forever because family channels are like deeply fucked up <laughs> in a way that actually needs to stop. Um, I, I don't even understand how people watch family channel videos because they actually, it's like black mirror shit. It's uncomfortable to watch. I don't think it's right to have kids on the internet like that, the way the family channels do it constantly showing their kids face making money off of like exposing their child's every waking moment that's awful you know I think there's a way to make like parenting content on the internet without exploiting your child uh, I don't think that many of these channels know how to do that <laughs> you know what I mean like I think you could pretty easily make content about being a mom without exploiting your child in the process but yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Parents on the internet, there's something to be dived into there. I feel bad for Addison though, because her parents are acting crazy on the internet. And, um, I feel worse for her two younger brothers who have just had their entire lives, like completely uprooted and changed by their sister's incredible fame. And they've now lost their parents to some type of fame monster as well. Ooh, fame monster. <laughs> But I, I feel bad for her younger brothers because it feels like that can't be good for a child to go through. To have your sister skyrocket to just like a pretty insane level of fame in the span of a year because of the internet. Um, and then to like not have your parents to like rely on and make sure <laughs> you're good because they're acting like fools on the internet as well. That's really sad. And her brothers are young too. So that sucks. But yeah, especially her dad. He's a train wreck that I just can't stop watching and keeping up with. Every time I hear something new about Addison Ray's father, I'm like, can we shut his account down? What's happening? <laughs> um, so I guess that's it for today's episode. I actually, I've been recording for quite a while. So I think this episode probably is going to be a decent length. Good for me. <laughs> Um, thank you guys so much for listening and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me. Again, you can follow the podcast over at Emotionally Online Pod on Instagram, or you can follow me and my personal account at Maddie Drawspeck. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I love you so much, and I will see you next week. Bye.